I think we can start now. I, well, so to just twenty minutes record time. I think <laughs> to figure out the crap. <laughs> right. So, um, it's always the to... way, by the way, and all, also the the most. Uh, what should we say? The, the the people who have the most experience with the sound setups often have the most complications. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I don't know who you're because talking. you you set everything up for yourself, and uh, not for like this context. You mean are you talking to me? Actually, now oh, I'm yeah. confused because we are three. And oh I, my god! <laughs> okay, but anyway, I'm I'm happy to see you, and I uh, want to uh, ask you if you know that we met in last summer, because I have a suspicion you don't, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ray is a celebrity now, so you know there are a lot of people <laughs> meeting us. So it's it's very difficult to remember all the fans that we have. And <laughs> so when did we meet, Daniel? We met at um, the nice conference uh, from Arno and uh, ah, okay, um, yes, the in Leuven, our the, friend, the uh, heart of closure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, heart of closure. Uh, I was yeah. sitting next to you, VJ, at one point. I was wondering, is this VJ? <laughs> I can't be me. You know, I have many other, you know, Indian uh, <laughs> people that I send us. Yeah, as they all my, look the same. Why exactly. you were not? We all look the same. <laughs> you you were not there. No, I was there. <laughs> so. <That's true. laughs> So I think that I think does, so, does sitting next to him count as meeting him? No, not really. Well, I talked to you, uh, Ray. I said hello. But, uh, <laughs> <I won't. laughs> yeah. Okay. Guilty. <laughs> no, you were very nice. I think, I think we should just. I think we should just flip this. So, why do you think we invited you for you know for the podcast? You know, and this is because you know we met at Heart of Closure. Remember? Yeah, exactly. We're following up. Come on. <laughs> so this is um, episode number sixty-one um, with uh, Daniel. I'm going to try to pronounce your last name. Shmul Shmulovich. Wished. Yeah, I mean, I have I'm no. I'm going to go with Shmulovich. Shmulovich, I think. You can say that. I mean, I have no, I have no qualms. What do, what do you say though? Uh, well, in here we say Shmulevitz. Shmulevitz. So the, the 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 tone is a bit different. But in um, Europe, uh, people butcher Polish names all the time, and I don't know <laughs> Polish myself. <laughs> so I'm very used to hear my names in uh, all kinds of creative. Uh, Ways and <laughs> you can try to say Shmulevitz. Yeah, Shmulevitz. Because I thought it was a Polish name. I mean, of course, when I mean, usually in, in in if you see C and Z together, it's usually Polish. I think it is, and uh, it means uh, son of soul. Oh, okay. it's like McDermott. is son of Dermot, right? That's right. Yeah, the Irish uh, version of it. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So. Uh, but, but you are not in Poland right now. So I, I was never in Poland. Yeah, I uh, was born in Belgium, mm -hmm. and I I live in Israel since uh, 
1986, seven. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so what are you up to there? So, what, what, what do you do there? Maybe a quick introduction. <laughs> a quick introduction. Yeah, we, we obviously know that we met at Heart of Closure. We know a lot about you, but you know, we, 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 we <laughs> want to. We want our audience to know more about you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm a, an accidental programmer, basically. Mm. I never decided to be a programmer, uh, but I, be, I just one day I saw that uh, writing code for for living. But what I actually wanted <laughs> was um, to write. So I saw myself as a writer, and I had a couple of years of working as a journalist, and then oh. I decided to be a novelist, which is some kind of uh, upgrade. <laughs> and I uh, went, I hit the road and I traveled for a couple of years writing uh, travel novels and mm -hmm. published a couple of them. And then I saw that I was very poor. <laughs> 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 and I picked up programming during, during my time when I was writing because I was using a computer. So, yeah. uh, as a journalist, also, I was exposed to a cultural movement in the 80s, uh, nine, end of 80s, uh, beginning of 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, the Wired magazines hyping up uh, the future. And I was attentive. There was no internet yet. Um, but they talked about BBSs and yeah. all kinds of stuff that could happen. I bought a computer and I, I started a BBS. Um, at one point, I started to sell internet con connectivity. I was calling people and and saying, maybe you want to connect to the internet? And they would say, to the what? <laughs> I, had I was too early. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But you were at the beginning of like robo calling. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, actually, the BBS was called Robo BBS or something. Oh my God. Or something like Perfect. that. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. But uh, so um, I'm used also to small uh, programming communities. I was um, writing. Rex code in my first job ever. Mm -hmm. uh, and Rex was a small scripting language that shipped mm -hmm. with OS2. And the reason I was using OS2 was I was very upset with Microsoft Windows 3.1. <laughs> and I, I was um, an enthusiast, um, early supporter of OS2. And I discovered um, the the scripting language. I was using a word processor also where I was writing my novels uh, mm -hmm. in, in something called Describe, a word processor, yep. a very good word processor, way ahead of its time compared to the other alternatives of, on Microsoft. Um, and 
from then on, it's uh, I, I, you know I, I I was always interested in these exotic uh, small program communities. I did Rebel for a while. I don't know if you know that. Um, Rebel is a general-purpose programming language. Is it like R E B O L, right? Yes, yes. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Rebel. Yeah. Uh, like a punk version of COBOL, isn't it? System. Sorry? It's like a punk version of COBOL. It's it's a punk version of something. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, of COBOL. I think it's a it's a lispish uh, in nature. Mm. Um, it has a lot of going for it, or it had. Uh, because one of the complaints was that it was not open source. At mm. one point, um, the community fractured, and there was another project called Red, which was oh, the, yeah, yeah. the open source version of Rebel. Mm. Uh, same ideas and uh, same people also. Mm. And I would say that the defining characteristics was that it was a very small footprint, I think, 300k or something like that, and it did mm -hmm. everything. It did GUIs, um, passing uh, web stuff. Uh, it had a very big core library, um, mm. and it was one guy basically, uh, somebody who was uh, involved in the Amiga. Yeah, and he retired early because he was he could. And he decided to um, grow vineyards in California and do wine mm. and do a little programming language on the side. <laughs> and he got it, uh, followers. Yeah. And it was nice. It was nice. Mm. So when people tell me that um, nobody knows what the programming language I'm using, I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> so how, how did you end up in the closure world then um i was always looking to use list languages hmm. um and i was continually looking into common list or scheme <laughs> and i never could find the impetus to jump I was afraid of um, being uh, left out when doing web development or, or stuff like that. And probably I could have been more um, intrepid with, uh, especially with Common Lisp because Common Lisp has everything. Mm -hmm. But I didn't do the plunge. Um, at one point, um, I suppose that when I was ready to do the plunge, I heard about closure, hmm. and I then then I jumped, and I didn't look back actually. Hmm. So, what type of so? Obviously, you started from journal, journalism and then um, being an author or novelist, and so so. Do you now uh, work professionally as a programmer, or is it still like a uh, side gig for you? No, I, I was um, in the industry <laughs> for too many, too many years. I did everything. I was, uh, you know, engineer uh, in a team. Mm. I was independent. 
uh, mm -hmm. as a consultant. Um, I, unfortunately, I, I know what an office looks like. Uh, <laughs> but at some point, I got lucky. And one of my side projects started making money. Mm. Um, and as soon as I had the chance, I uh, quit all my jobs. Mm. And um, now it's been something like five years that mm. I run with my own projects. Mm. And I have two projects that make money and that bring food on the table. Not a lot, mm -hmm. not a lot. just enough to, to have mm. a small belly. <laughs> And um, one is uh, Etsy app uh, or e-commerce app that allows merchants mm -hmm. to automate uh, the publishing of tweets based on the inventory. Yeah. And I have integrations for Etsy, Shopify, um, mm -hmm. Weebly, mm -hmm. and Equid. Mm -hmm. And my second project, which I started three years ago, is um, a solution to circumvent censorship in China. Oh, okay. Um, my wife is Chinese, and I have family, and I go to visit. Mm -hmm. And I had a need uh, for a solution. Yeah. And when I found one, I was happy with it. I started to uh, build a service around it. And I would say that um, what defines my service is that it uses proxies instead of VPNs. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. more lightweight. Uh, it's uh, based on open source. Mm -hmm. And it, the audience is for power users. Yeah. So is that a proxy that runs on the laptop or on the desktop then? Because otherwise, the proxy still lets the, lets the ISP look at stuff. Excuse me, can you say this again? If you have a proxy on the internet, the service provider can still see the traffic up to that proxy. So does yeah. the proxy run on the desktop? The proxy, there is, you mean, there is a, you can connect to the proxy with, on all platforms, if this is the question. Uh, and all devices, uh, there is, there, there are clients for, um, uh, Android and uh, iOS, as well as for desktop on Windows, Mac, and Linux, just because it's open source projects and people have made clients on all those platforms. Oh, okay. But don't people shut down access to that proxy, for example? That's the obvious thing that an authoritarian regime oh, would do. You mean IP, blocking the IP because it's a proxy? Yeah. So there is a mouse and a game of cat and mouse mm -hmm. uh, regarding IPs. But um, people find ways to adapt quickly when an IP is blocked because mm -hmm. I can assign, you know, a DNS name to the new IP, which is not blocked and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in, uh, in practical terms, it, it, it was never an issue for my service. Be mm. Also because I'm small and China doesn't mm. look into, uh, it's not bothered by a service like mine. Mm. You go okay. under the radar in that case. Uh, 
Under the radar, but, but the, the Chinese um, system doesn't look to block all traffic to mm. to the to the outside world. It looks to establish some kind of a wall, invisible wall for its residents, and make sure that most residents are not interested in content uh, yeah. outside of China. But they know very well, and they and probably themselves they use VPNs all the time to get yeah, access yeah, to sure. more information and diverse yeah. information. So yeah. yeah. So do, do you use Clojure for your these businesses already? Yes, or? I I use Clojure as my daily driver mm. since 2013. I rewrote mm. this uh, Twitter full um, app in Clojure. It was initially a Ruby on Rails app, and I was feeling the pain. I wanted to have more control. Mm. Um, and I, uh, I wrote, I did a bigger rewrite. Okay. So how do you how do you compare Ruby on Rails experience with Clojure? Because one of the I think time and again this this comes up again <laughs> and again. Like Clojure doesn't have something like Ruby on Rails. <laughs> uh, and and good so, but uh, <laughs> I will explain myself. Um, and I also have an announcement to make. Ooh, cool. Regarding regarding precisely this question, mm. we get the scoops on Defen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I decided to make a video and finish it before the podcast, so that our viewers or your viewers uh, <laughs> can uh, can profit from it. So it's on YouTube. I just uploaded before we started talking, and it's mm. a, um, a I'm revisiting the classical Ruby on Rails demo from 2005, mm -hmm. in which uh, DHH ah. builds a blog engine. Yeah. The 15 minutes blog engine, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The whoops video, because mm. it says, whoops, look at all the code <laughs> I'm not writing, <laughs> which is genius. And, yeah, and yeah, really, yeah. I, want to, uh, I wanted to pay homage to what he did, uh, the movement that spurred it was basically giving up the ability to programmers to write web apps when they didn't really understand the underlying stack. The deal is learn Ruby, learn the framework, and don't worry about SQL, about JavaScript, about CSS, HTML, yeah. and stuff like that, or HTTP. Mm. Or databases. Yeah, exactly. So um, I wanted to uh, make a video in, and show what would happen if you really had to write everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and it's not it's not bad. That's a, that's the point. You have to understand how you do SQL on the JVM, uh, but there are built-in classes, and you can do closure interrupt. So the idea was to make uh, the same exact application, a blog engine, mm -hmm. but with uh, enclosure on the JVM and no libraries. So no routing libraries and just just the minimal stuff. So it's a ring. SQL is taken care of by the JVM. It has built-in classes to do that. And um, I use Hiccup for the templating. 
Yeah. Mm. And that's it. So it's an educational kind of uh, video. Mm. Um, and, and I hope entertaining. Um, How do you style the front end? Because that was the other thing that he was doing. No, he doesn't style the front. It's HTML. Uh, it's pure HTML. And and I and the browser is has this uh, default CSS style sheet, so the inputs are just uh, raw as the browser oh, okay. renders it. Okay. Yeah. And I do the same. So. Okay. Mm. So in your project, then uh, obviously, I mean, for Hello World, it's easy to say, or it's not easy to say whether it is, <laughs> uh, you know, how complicated it is, or how not, how easy it is, or whatever. But but for your project migrating from Ruby on Rails to to Clojure, so how did it go? And then were there any things? Is there any situation where like, oh fuck it, and I should have done this in Rails? Active Miller is easier. <laughs> no, the problem in, in, in with uh, an app in uh, written in Ruby on Rails is that you you really pay the price. Like it's a little bit like selling your soul to the devil. Because you accept Ooh. the idea of trading uh, expertise with um, commodity, mm. and it's a game which is well played as long as the, your your circumstances uh, are are valid. But mm. when things change and suddenly. You want to do something which um, is in disconnect with the framework, or something that you don't quite understand and you don't know how to achieve it with the framework. Yeah. Then um, you experience pain, and I wanted to take things um, under control. Mm. And closure forced me to to look into all the moving parts. And the process was uh, very interesting and very exhausting as well, <laughs> because uh, for the, it was 2013, there was already Ring and um, the main players were there, but there was kind of Terra Incognita in with regards to practices mm -hmm. and i had to experiment and i wanted to experiment but uh, it took uh, a long time before i could make all the parts play well together mm. and in the meantime there were many things happening for example when i started writing um, the app there was ring but there was no Doctor framework, for example. Mm, when yeah. Duct frameworks came out, I did something which helped me um, substantially, and I'm still using it today. I adapted the Duct framework to the component framework. Mm -hmm. So the endpoints and the, rot the routing endpoints of my uh, web application and the handler and the middleware, they are componentized. So they are exactly the, uh, this. I, I write um, the, the system map declaratively, and a database 
comes alongside is on the same level as the the, the handler or the middleware or, or the um, endpoints and this mm -hmm. allowed me to have one uniform api to to start a system and that helped tremendously also for for reloading at the REPL, which yeah. I automated and which I integrated in my own uh, tools. Yeah, I don't know if I uh, clear well, One thing I though, ask, ask, yeah, it's, it's fine. What, one thing to, uh, to dig in a bit deeper there, Daniel, was did you, did you kind of benefit from the REPL at the beginning or was that something that came later? Since you mentioned the REPL integration now. The, the REPL was always the main um, reason I was attracted to Lisp and closures. Mm, mm, it, the, mm. it was the first thing I made sure that I'm developing in a REPL, that I can inspect everything, that I can restart mm. everything. And that has always been the, like the meat, the, the main thing for me. Mm. And that's why I developed um, the system library, which which is a repository of components. Yeah. Um, I never properly documented my open source projects, and I'm guilty of that. Uh, <laughs> but you're the only one, actually. That's really horrible. I mean, you know, no one, everyone, everyone else documents their open source projects perfectly. So <laughs> you know, you must feel well, really so bad. Some, some some people do some people do better job than me. Than, uh, sure. I have to admit. <laughs> and uh, kudos to Martin Klebsch who did the wonderful initiative. Oh, to yeah. help people uh, do the do the work. Yeah. Without friction. Um. But uh, so the systems frame system frameworks has has this um, mini framework. It, Web mini web framework, which is equivalent to Duct mm -hmm. um, from James Reeve. James Reeve um, has always um, influenced my work because what he was doing was at the he was doing he was working at the same time and he was just ahead of me and I was looking at what he was doing and say, wow, that's really good work. <laughs> So when he came with Integrant, I was already with my own framework. So I'm, I haven't used Integrant, but I suspect that uh, the ideas are very similar. Mm. Declarative list, uh, uh, de declare a system, um, and then be able to tear down and uh, restart, which is invaluable on other level. Mm. Since, since we're talking about these uh, dependency injection frameworks, essentially, um, one of the criticisms of Component is that it's a bit infectious and things like Mount and Integrant attempt to reduce the, the blast radius, if you like, of their, of their frameworks. Is that something which you do as well or you're aware of or you're aware of those trade-offs? So that's a very good question, which... Unfortunately, I have a disappointing answer, <laughs> but I will, I will be upfront. There are a couple of concerns in closure development 
that are met by competing well, uh, products or projects. Mm. And you just mentioned um, mount versus component, and they cover the same concern. They they address the mm. same concerns. And the same goes with um, web web development, for example, because we have uh, a um, we have a ring and pedestal. We have handlers yeah. and and inject. Um, uh, how do you call this? Interceptors. Interceptors. Yeah. 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 Um, the same goes for the client closure script. Uh, libraries, competing stuff, Reagent and, and OM, or, or today uh, maybe uh, Reagent and Helix or, or, or whatever the, the, thing, the thing is. I, at very early on, because I sweated so much in making my parts moving, once I found mm. my cocktail, the things that were working together, mm. I sticked with it. Mm. So component was um, solving my problem, and I didn't look into mount. And the same goes for pedestal. I was happy with ring. I didn't need uh, asynchronous uh, handles or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and and I'm still with OM. I have oh. I have, uh, I have a patched version. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which works. Perfectly. I mean, when David Nolan gave us ARM and gave a solution to create AI as a function of state, that's all I wanted. I didn't need anything else. Mm. And I still don't. No, no, I think that's fine. I think, like you say, if you, if you get something that works and you can maintain it and you're looking after your own patched version, you know, that's a solution that you want. But, but obviously for the broader community, there's a, there's a different answer, I guess. Exactly, and and that leads us to to community and my relationship to community. So for me, community is two things. One is shared experience, mm -hmm. and I, I relate to that. I love going to conference and meeting people and having conversations. The other thing is consensus building. A community looks at how things are best done because beginners ask questions and more experienced developers give answers and a consensus gets constructed, gets refined, answers are given um, and are deemed correct or the correct mm -hmm. way or the recommended way. And that, that, aspect of community i i relate from just further away <laughs> I, I i'm not so interested in in that uh not because the advice or the the wisdom that emanates from this effort is um to be um disavowed no but it's it's just received wisdom becomes oh, received God. wisdom and I prefer to remain critical at all times and examine things. Uh, so I'm less interested in uh, comparing 
different uh, solutions and deciding which one is best and uh, making recommendations and stuff like that. But you have, you have broad experience with or, or pretty long experience with programming communities starting back, you know, uh, from, from Rebel and Red, Rebel and Red. So, <laughs> So how do you how do you how do you see these communities then? I mean, especially these days, you know, because back in the day, uh, niche programming community would mean you know sitting at IRC and that's pretty much it. And obviously, Clojure is not a niche programming language anymore. Even at the time of IRC, it was the same. Thing. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. As as Jean Paul Sartre has said, uh, "L'enfer c'est les autres." Oh, it means uh, hell is the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, come here. I don't think I, he meant it literally, you know. <laughs> I didn't say it. South of this. It's a quote. Yeah. Um, it, it's really difficult. Uh, I've seen the same things playing out uh, in every community, like PJ. Mm. Uh, into that mm. there is always everything that humans are capable of that come to the fore so you have the good things help collaboration caring and then you have the bad things which is pettiness and entitlement and ego a lot of ego mm. yeah so that's, that's a fair point so i think it's um uh the, the usual question, obviously, you know, um, are the only question that we'd like to ask on this podcast, like Emacs <laughs> or some other shit. So we, we reached that stage. Is it because of uh, <laughs> my, my opinion on communities? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, okay, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, so it should be obvious from my Twitter handle. Uh, because I I, I I I call myself uh, MX Meshuggah, yeah, which, um, which is Yiddish for crazy. Um, yeah, Emacs, of course. Emacs uh, is a lifestyle, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Ray. It's okay. <laughs> I think editor communities are like ordinary communities. They bring out the best and worst in people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm just quoting someone touché. I heard earlier. Touché, touché, touché. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, uh, I discovered Emacs. Um, I don't know. I, I I probably don't want to remember, but uh, I'm I'm being at it for a good while. And it just pays off more and more. It's like the, the more you progress, the more it pays off. Yeah. Because it does so much. Yeah, and yeah. because it's um, a Lisp environment, it's, it's some kind of uh, realization of the Lisp machine. We didn't get the hardware. It didn't happen. But mm. we have uh, Emacs. Yeah. So... In terms of, uh, of course, I mean, you use Emacs, but uh, I think that this is a question that is linked to, like, the, what's your opinion in the, uh, about the tooling around closure in general? Obviously, you know, if you use Emacs, you're using Cider. 
Um, but yeah. there are there are other things as well uh, these days. So, did you did you try any of them or? I, I'm I'm I, I remember the days when cider was breaking, when uh, piggyback was some kind of a nightmare. Yeah, uh, it was very difficult to get a closure scrape repel, and then everything got better. Uh, thanks to the work of uh, the good people and Bojidar. Hello, Bojidar. Thank you so much. Uh, and support him. Uh, I mean, the community has produced amazing tooling. Um, Bojidar has uh, also done amazing work because he separated um, concerns and you have this um, separate library, which is uh, generic for tooling mm -hmm. and then he restructured the the, the whole uh, tuning ecosystem, and then Tools Depths came, which also uh, made things much better in terms of tooling. So today, I feel extremely privileged. Uh, nothing breaks anymore. Things are solid. There is a very solid mm -hmm. foundation. Um, we've seen some kind of. Um, maturity in tooling which uh, a lot of lispers uh, envy for mm. i mean we have one of the best uh, ecosystems in the lisp world um i won't you know leave the common lispers outside because they get offended <laughs> very quickly and uh, and and maybe also for good reason because slime is basically the thing that inspired um, everything yeah but um I'm, I'm extremely happy with the tooling, and maybe that's a good time to tell what happened when Tools Depths came out. The, there was a, a strong desire to integrate Tools Depths in our build tools. Mm. And I was an early boot adopter. I thought, that it was great to have uh, a build tool that can run in one process and yeah. spawn, you know, your REPL for the closure scape and and for your for your web server, which you couldn't do with Lightning. And yeah, and the model, the execution model of Boot was uh, very smart. Um, so I was happy with Boot, but then, and I, I wrote also a lot of plugins for for Boot. Mm -hmm. But I noticed something. After a while, I was forgetting the details of the execution model of boot. Mm. I had, every time I wanted to do something, I had to refresh my memory. I have to go inside, look at the documentation. And I found it a bit tedious. Um, and two steps came out. And there was some kind of this, fo this focus on doing one thing was very uh, attractive. And I start, like many other people, we wondered, can we maybe write small tools and with tools depths replace this big monolith of build tools? And I discovered a project which is not often talked about. It's the Closure Maven plugin. Mm -hmm. The Closure Maven plugin is um, a plugin for Maven that compiles Closure. It, it precedes Liningen. Yeah. It never took off. It never um, 
you know, gained momentum. But it's it was always there and it's it always worked. You could always compile your stuff with the Closure Maven plugin. And I started to use uh, this technique where, because tools devs can emit a pom.xml, I would emit the pom.x the pom.xml from the tools devs and feed that to to the Maven to the Maven um, runtime. Yeah, and send this to the Closure Maven plugin. The, Cl the Closure Maven plugin is just one dependency and um, plugin in the pom.xml. Yeah, so you can use Maven to 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 build your projects. I built a tool around this. It's called Maven, M E W Y V N. Yeah. Yes. This has replaced uh, completely Boot and Linegun. So I'm using Maven all the time. Um, and it's, it works pretty surprisingly well. I was wondering at one point if I wanted to promote this and maybe tell people to start using it and decided not to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was wondering just before you kind of like went into a bit more detail of it because I'm interested in hearing the story. Yeah. But one of the things that always strikes me about closure was that you don't need to build it. So I I kind of think if you don't have to build it, why do you want to build it? And I, there, I know there are spe very specific reasons when you want to have Java compiled in or you want to distribute a into a Maven Central or something. But with the, the Git shards that you have with with tools.deps, why do you need to build anything anymore? You know, I've certainly taken that view at our at our work. So we don't compile anything. We never build any Uber jobs. We never make anything at all. We just rely on closure. Ray, this is exactly the kind of stuff I like. You you think about something and you take it as far as you can and this is why consensus building works against you this is exactly <laughs> the kind of things that people laugh at in in a forum <laughs> we've been doing this <laughs> they've laughed at me for a long time it's true <laughs> so so i i'm i'm all for it um i I haven't thought about it, so it's your idea. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm building Uber jars, which I deploy on servers, and I run those Uber jars. As, so I'm okay. building. I need to build Uber jars, but I will mm. be very happy to learn from you how to how to deploy uh, without building anything. I'm very open to that. I'm sure you have exciting. Yeah, wherever, times. wherever you are going to deploy anything, you just run closure, and then it has the same effect. I'm, I'm pretty sure you are, you're right. Uh, probably you need to weigh all kinds of stuff and decide if this is good for you, for your use case. Sure, of course. For your team. Absolutely. Um, but on that note, I want to say that Maven is, is not uh, something I use only to build artifacts. I mm -hmm. run my REPL with it. Okay. And now it's an, it's a, it's an environment. It's a REPL environment. Mm -hmm. oh, I've, right. okay. I've I've written an Emacs client, which is on Melpa. Mm -hmm. I've built a website also 
where you can download it, but it's not open source. It's, um, oh. yeah, it's my platform. Mm -hmm. I'm giving services through Maven. For now, it's educational services, so I'm doing videos. Yeah. And what I'm selling is not the video or the course, mm -hmm. because I don't want to do that. What I want to do is produce content. And if you want to run the code or see the source code, or then uh, buy a license for Maven, which is a way for me to not feel, you know, if you make course, courseware, it's basically a lost struggle. It's almost mm -hmm. impossible to, to stay sane. So my, the deal is, for me, I want to give value to my users. Um, and I don't want to be forced to produce content and feel guilty when I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just selling my license, a license for Maven. Mm -hmm. And in exchange, um, users will get not only the tool, but also the templates. Like, for example, uh, the video on uh, Ruben Rails, which I just did, which explains how to build a blogging engine mm -hmm. uh, from scratch. It's available in Maven as a template for users okay. who are licensed. And I'm probably going to explore other avenues to distribute software via Maven or something like that. So it's not just a build tool then, but it's, it's, but it's more like a platform or a tool that is that that comes with a platform it, it, technically it's like uh, boot and line which both are not only yeah. build tools but also provide yeah. pro provide you an environment yeah you also launch uh, the rebel with lining on a boot mm. so is, is the main motivation to help you out daniel is that the kind of concept is that it's a, a way for you to um is it, I'm trying to understand whether it's a commercial thing or a kind of practical thing, or a bit of both. So for me, it's a practical thing. It's my, uh, it's the tool that I rely on to build my environment, to launch my REPL environment, and to build my mm. artifact. So I will always treat it like a privileged um, offshoot of mine. Mm. But I'm also want to interact with uh, people in the closure community, mm -hmm. but in a way which is departs from traditional model of uh, mm -hmm. organizing a course and selling it on uh, a website. My philosophy is that there is no teaching. There is only learning. All I can do, all a teacher can do, is help you in this process of learning. And this is why I want to produce content but you are the, the learner. You have to decide how, what you do with this content. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing these videos, which are educational. I show how to do routing for scratch, how, how handles work, um, how, to build a, how to build a blog, a blog engine. But I'm not, ask, I'm not looking if you are learning, if you, if you, if you passed the test, if you did the, this first or that first. I, I don't care. And probably nobody should, you should care how do you mm -hmm. structure your learning. Wh how, what kind of content do you need to learn and to progress? I'm going to produce content because I like it. Um, and in exchange, I ask people who can, who want, 
uh, to to buy a license for for Maven, but you don't have to. And then you don't get. I mean, you don't get Maven the tool, but this is the the thing that you get if you if you decide to uh, to buy a license. Okay, so so people can still learn something even without the tool. That's the exactly. Idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's YouTube videos. I mean, uh, the the one on on uh, on how the ring stack works uh, is for everybody. It's just generic. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about your your because there, there is a lot of. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm going back to the beginning again. <laughs> yeah. So uh, because there is a lot of uh, comparisons between writing and programming, right? So absolutely. So. What is your opinion on that? Being a being a you know professional journalist, you know writing stuff and also writing code. I mean, writing other things other than code, which is more logical and and whatnot. And so, what's your take on that? Vijay, it's a beautiful question. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I, I peaked. It's it's, it's like a, it's like a broken clock. <laughs> you write twice every episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I only two good questions per episode. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, this is the mystery, right? I often find that I come with uh, values from prose writing to programming, which surprise uh, engineers. Um, I think there is um, something very social sciencey about what we are doing. And yet, engineers thinks, uh, think we are we are doing s- exact science stuff, mm. and all these concerns, all these topics that you see in forums when we discuss what is the best programming language, how uh, how to how to to you to do types or not do types and stuff like that. They are social science questions. Mm. These are questions about psychology, mm. productivity, how the brain works, how teamwork works, um, linguistics, all all these these things. And computer science has nothing to say about these topics. Mm. And that's a big paradox because. Um, Computer science has a lot to say about complexity, about computability, uh, about uh, Turing degrees, and uh, all kinds of uh, things that, that that are exact, that mm. are provable. Yeah. But these are never the the topics of discussions of developers, the fireplace discussions. Yeah. These are always social science uh, topics, and yet there is a lack of awareness. That these questions belong to social science—that is mm. my impression. Yeah, that's that's. I think that, that that is why we can never, you know, decide the debate uh, one way or the other whether types are better or not, right? I mean, there's this whole discussion around because at the end of the day, it becomes like how you think, and and it depends on your your way of thinking, and exactly, which, which aligns with you, exactly yeah. because. They are not precise questions. There are no precise answers. Yeah. And also, um, what you just said is very true. For me, if the whole world liked types and there was one person who preferred no types, then that would invalidate 
the idea yeah. that uh, you, you have to use tags. Yeah. The other thing that maybe is, is worth uh, remarking on, though, is that I think part of the problem is that programming came from a very scientific, mathematical, electronic kind of background and has gradually emerged into a kind of more, uh, what should we say, a mixed media form. Um, I think probably if you look at computer science, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, there wasn't much wriggle room in terms of is it art, is it science? It was science. But I think you're right that that's blurred in the last sort of time. I have to interject something here. Yeah, please. This, 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 now we are entering a territory which is really fascinating. Um, the way it started. Mm. The way it started is because uh, David Hilbert asked a couple of questions in the beginning of the 20th century, 1901, I think. He, he was a mathematician yeah. and he saw that the field was in disarray. There were paradoxes, Cantor with infinity paradox, uh, and there was, was all kinds of trouble in all kinds of uh, fields. And one of the, the main pressing points was the question of computability. What is, what, is, what is computable? How do you decide if there is a proof for, for something? And this question spurred a, um, a fascinating debate um, where, you know, th this is why we have church, uh, Turing, yeah. um, um, the guy that did the um, recursive function. This is the core. Right, this is the core mathematical core that inspired mm -hmm. um, people like um, uh, our, our um, the, the Lisp creator. <laughs> I forgot his name now. McCarthy. <laughs> McCarthy. McCarthy. He was a mathematician. He was inspired by uh, more mm -hmm. more by recursive function than lambda calculus. But uh, mm -hmm. he he really like like you say, Ray. He's he thought that. Uh, computer science was a mathematical field. And mm. he, his ambition was a mathematical. He, was, he wanted to be um, recognized as a mathematician. But not everybody was like that. And there were many other people at the time uh, who came from different fields, mainly linguistics mm. and also social science. And there were the educators also at the time, or a bit later. Mm. But it was very early mm. on, um, this kind of mixed sciencey background to computer science. And you know what we say, that the fact that we had to call the field computer science means that it's not science. <laughs> so I, I would be very um, cautious about the true nature of computer science. I think it's a fascinating topic to explore. I, I certainly think that uh, there's a mathematical core, but I also think there is a very uh, important linguistic core um, mm -hmm. and things that are rooted in social science or humanities. And so 
Well, I guess you could say the Turing test is a perfect example of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The point I'm trying to say, though, is that is that I think it started with a kind of like this mathematical core, but fundamentally it's grown into something where I agree with you that it is no longer the case. You know, while whilst it has some mathematics at its base and there is a sort of sciencey, nerdy kind of feel around computing at the core, and the closer you get to more, the closer you get to the sort of silicon, the more mathematical it feels. But the whole field, I think, is much more complex. I think it it was never uh, the 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 mathematical core. The mathematical core was was mathematics. It was not computer yes. science. It's it's the, the the main thing to remember is that the the people who came up with the proofs about computability, uh, what is computable and what what is not, um, didn't have computers. So it was mathematics. Yes. It was logic. It's it's logics and mathematics. When we started producing computer, general purpose computers, certainly, of course, we could verify their theory, these theories, but we had to come up with a way to to manipulate these computers. The question was now what what do we do with that? And this question was never mathematical. It has mm. always no, but been. but I mean that, that feels. It feels a little bit like saying that philosophy and science, you know, that th that they all used to be called philosophers. That's why you have PhDs. But really, that seems like it's, it's kind of burying the lead a little bit. That there is a difference. So it's in some aspects of the field, you know, that it, that it, that some aspects of the field clearly are more more mathematical or more scientific than others. Are you are you giving no credence to that? That you're saying that there's no, the no no I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand uh, why why you think I'm in disagreement with that. I'm just saying that the question of humans interacting with a computer was never a mathematical question. As soon as you bring computers and give computers to to people, general purpose computers, you can give them the oh, sure. the, the mathematics, but you still have a, a human computer. Problem, which is of a different type than than math problem. This is yeah, why I guess, you have I guess I'm people... trying to agree with. <laughs> I'm going very hard to agree with you. <laughs> the, the, I think the reason why people feel like it's not a social sciencey problem is because of this sort of vestigial feeling that it's it's all maths and science. So they don't really. They don't have a, the people who are trained in computer science at university or whatever. They don't get this feeling. That it is fundamentally a, a social science. That it is a sort of almost liberal arts degree in many ways, you, especially with the collaborative nature of it these days. That's a very good point, but that depends on what you exactly, what kind of computer science you are doing. Mm. If you work well, in yes, computability, yes. you work in mathematical logic. Yes, there's no question about that. Mm. If uh, you work in programming language design, PLT, then <laughs> you're not a mathematician anymore. <laughs> you no, 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 need no. deep in social science. Yeah, it's basically you like it's it kind not? of like, yeah, it's a fashion show, basically. <laughs> yeah, ask Rich. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get to him and then uh, I, I think he, he, he probably would have something to say. <laughs>
I'm sure I'm, uh, we're all waiting. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he thinks also that uh, hell is the other. <laughs> exactly. Pretty sure hell is deafened, so yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think uh, to uh, to go back to the you know your your open source projects and your contribution to the community, um, uh, are there any other uh, things that you want to highlight uh, that, that is there on your GitHub or uh, the, the libraries that people should uh, take a look at? Yeah, let, let me let me keep it simple and tell you: don't look at anything except <laughs> maybe uh, Benjamin, which mm -hmm. is a clean abstraction, which does, mm -hmm. does something quite useful. Managing, um, I mean, I can explain, but uh, do you want? Or do we have time? No, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, 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 please, please do. So oh, the, the, the name, the name gives it away, but you know, it's it's nice to know what what oh, exactly oh, Benjamin is. So. <laughs> Tell me, tell me, what does the name give away? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it where to print money? Because like the Benjamins, Benjamins. Is that what it is? <laughs> or is it the is it the mathematician? No, yeah, it's a mathematician. Um, <laughs> not a very simpatico one, uh, but uh, he was uh, kind of. I suppose I was looking for a name uh, for for my library which deals with idempotency, and yeah. I, I came across uh, uh, this guy. So basically, what it make my, what it allows you to do is when you're writing web development or web applications or any kind of applications, you often have to make sure you don't repeat. Um, an operation twice. For example, when you send a newsletter to your uh, users, and in the middle of the operation, you have a problem, and then suddenly you don't know who received the newsletter and who didn't receive yet. yet. Mm. And you need some kind of solution to manage these things. Yeah. Um, so Benjamin is an abstraction to do that. It takes a persistence function, a logbook function, and you can write um, your your operation, your dependent operation, wrap it into this macro that the library works that provides, and that's it. And Benjamin, I recommend because the documentation is complete. There is a blog post, mm -hmm. and you should have no trouble understanding what it does and how it does it. Nice. Um, the other library, of course, is System, because yeah. this one has been maintained since day one. It um, it has a big set of components. It's useful if you use component. Mm -hmm. And I would um, finally, I think, oh, yeah. Um, the I wrote um, this, uh, how do you call this? Certificate issuing an interface, a client for for um, issuing a certificate via ah, uh, okay. Um, let's oh, like, this, like the CSR, like the CSR. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can generate the CSR and then get the certificates. Yeah. Okay. Nice. It it interfaces with Let's Encrypt. Um, okay. Um, which is uh, stable. 
and uh, which is optimized for running as a cron job. If you have oh, so it can automatically fetch yeah. the new yeah. the new certificates and what is yeah. Yeah. setbot or or something? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 uh, it's um, uh, kind of a subset of certbot because certbot does everything. Yeah, and mine is just uh, to get a certificate and then to run as a cron job. Ah, uh, okay. It's written in closure based on uh, uh, excellent JV API. Hmm. Which is this is a stable project, also well documented. Mm. Uh, and then, if you're adventurous, you can look into uh, this mini framework for ring components, uh, which is called RAM RAMwork, and which is uh, sh which ships with system. And, and what does that do? Uh, RAM RAM. So it's the equivalent of uh, the duct comp components or integrant. It allows you to write a declarative system map. Mm. Complete with the middleware and handlers that you might have. Okay, and of course you have the uh, the Maven and Maven, which uh, which uh, I encourage only people who are intrigued by the videos that I'm doing. No, I'm, I don't. I'm not calling you know veterans and people who are doing closure. I don't want people to start using it as a, as their build tool, hmm. but I I, I do uh, recommend it for people who want to um, who are beginning and yeah. uh, and who can relate to what I'm doing on the videos. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. By the way, I mean I really like the way that you know all your uh, projects have like consistent styling, you know, website and documentation style. I mean. Uh, they're really like you know. It shows that you have uh, uh, typographic, <laughs> you know, ideas, thank you, thank and, you. Thank and you. it really looks really, really, uh, you know, beautiful. And um, thank you so the websites much. are are really well built. So uh, I really like that. So, may, so um, any 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 other points that uh, that you want to uh, touch upon before maybe we want to. Uh, no, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy uh, that we had this conversation, and I'm not surprised uh, because I'm a long-time follower, and I don't miss any episodes. And uh, you. Um, <laughs> You always uh, delight me, so and um, it was a it was a big delight to be on your show. Thank you. That's uh, I think uh, we 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 apologize for all the all the nuisance that we talk usually, but you know the, with the guests it, it becomes much more bearable. You know the whole podcast stuff. So, so <laughs> I think so. People like you add way more value, and then. Uh, no, no. Uh, Cover it up to the, you know all the negative <laughs> shit that we have, all the bullshit that we talk about. No, come on, come on, But um, hey, it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you, Daniel. And um, you know, um, uh, I, I I haven't looked at Maven yet, but I'll I'll give it a, a shot. And uh, thanks a lot for for your uh, sharing your ideas. And it's really nice to talk yeah. to um, a person who is not from the programming background from from the yeah, beginning yeah, you know uh, yeah, so yeah. so the, the perspective helps a lot and and maybe we, you should come back to discuss the whole um, you know computer science versus 
is it science you know that maybe we should do some some fun fun episode one more time oh yeah absolutely yeah. well absolutely, if you remember yeah. rightly that's the sort of sic beginning of sicp is the thing that takes apart computer science <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that, that that's exactly uh that's an amazing point uh susman and abelson mm. always um labeled their educational effort in 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 sick as mm. linguistic their approach yeah, is linguistic yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah i mean you had to get you had to know what uh you had to know what uh, the the civil rastanese is but you know fair enough <laughs> sorry i said you had to know what the civil rastanese was but fair enough the what the, the, the prime number the, the civ of rastanese oh, yeah yeah so the domain the domain is uh, uh mathematics uh what's one one of the criticism of the book but uh i myself didn't have any trouble with mm. uh with the mathematics in the in the book so i don't mm. think uh it, it should be a real but, and if you do have trouble then you can go and use concrete abstraction another mm. uh, uh, work uh, uh, educational computer science book which has less mathematics and you can also look at uh, matthias felison um how to design programs mm. these these mm. people are doing amazing uh, work in education of uh, computer Absolutely. science yeah yeah and everybody i w- i really wish to see people of more from more backgrounds uh, doing computer science and it's a, just a psychological barrier mm. and i want yeah. to see people from all all kinds uh, from all all backgrounds in computer science because it's so boring to, <laughs> to, to, to meet the same kind of people all the time in the office that's horrible yeah, that yeah. it has to awesome. it has to stop yeah well yeah, I, yeah, we I, I really appreciate your kind of you, know, you you've got a definitely a more contemplative uh reflective kind of attitude which i really appreciate so um, <laughs> thank you and i think a lot of the audience does as well so that's really good cool excellent So I think uh, that's it uh, for for this episode. Thanks a lot Daniel and uh, thanks to all the uh, people that were who, who are listening to to the podcast. As we said, I think we just crossed our fourth year so we hopefully continue doing this uh, stuff as long as we can. And can, can um, I just finish up by just saying that I noticed that something we talked about uh, offline is that we've suddenly got a little bizarrely in this in this kind of like a uh, strange time. We've suddenly got a bit of an uptick in the the people supporting us so yeah. maybe these people are listening to deafen a little bit more in this <laughs> i mean i don't know what comfort we can bring really but you know, it's, <laughs> if it's Amazing. something then we're i'm really glad you know absolutely how do you see that uh downloads or no in the in the pattern uh, uh oh right, right 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 hey guys like david nolan said last time if you can support all the good people Exactly. <laughs> so a big thank you to to the to the people who are uh, who are supporting Defan. Uh, uh obviously you now there is a lot of other nice stuff going around. It yeah. uh, closes together and um, people right. like uh, right. everybody you know putting out their their time and effort. So um so what you're doing is not close computer science so on that bombshell. Um <laughs> No, that's not what I said. <laughs> Get back to thinking, people. Exactly. <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the contrary, you might you might 
you might be doing computer science without knowing it. Exactly. <laughs> so you might be doing linguistics, but actually you're doing computer science. Exactly. <laughs> keep keep having fun, and uh, that's it from us. I think, from, well, I from think this the, episode. the main message is you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> if you will, yeah. <laughs> you know this is this is uh, this is. This is very interesting because uh, this relates to uh, <laughs> intellectual humility. Mm. Yeah, that's true. But uh, this this will take us <laughs> to, to another it's episode. Just, I think it's I think it's funnier just to say that people don't know what they're doing now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, can, I can see people screaming, listening to the episode, like you don't know what you're doing. We know that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> You don't know what you're doing. Well, exactly. Let, 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 right let's ask them. Let's, um, let's, uh, where, where do people say what, uh, what they think? Exactly. There is a Defen podcast uh, Slack channel if they, if okay. they want to. Uh, so, but Slack channel, then it's not public. Oh, I'm on, on, on Twitter or exactly. Twitter, yeah. Okay, please, let's, please let's hear whatever, let's whatever hear. it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you could argue that Twitter isn't Twitter public isn't either. Public either. <laughs> okay. Oh fuck no! Okay. Well, it's got the same barrier as entry to fucking Slack ads or Facebook, right? Right. Blog post yeah. or, or anything. A, you've got to give yeah. all your that crap is... to some billionaire. That's a good point. Okay, so do let us know what you're doing, and then uh, please remind us that uh, we have no clue what we're doing. So uh, we look forward <laughs> to your your angry letters in the in the mail. <laughs> Yeah, P.O. Box, Stefan. Exactly. <laughs> It'll so, get there. Uh, yeah, well, eventually. I, I hope uh, we'll meet soon uh, physically because uh, I miss uh, yeah. the uh, conferences and stuff like that. That's, that. that's the hottest date request I've had for a while, Daniel, to be honest. I'm afraid so, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I guess that's it. From us, before we um, go on to another uh, topic. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thanks Thank again you very much. Thank you. And um, we'll uh, see you in um, another episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Defan. And the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dullert. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure in Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip or just at us at Defen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode.